welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. I just hit record. Why not? Oh. We're okay. in the middle of some jokes. We already got yeah. started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're interrupting our laughter. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, my name's Matt. Matt Davis, by the way. Uh, never going to give you my middle name because that's uh, that's not going to happen. It's Jerome. Hey. <laughs> Noah, I'm going to need you to edit that out. I'll pay you extra later. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't like that. Man, Jerome. Jerome. It's such a, where did you get that from? A very Jewish name. There was Jerome. Jerome. Kern, great songwriter. I, I'd, I'd make the argument Jerome is not quite as Jewish anymore. I have a lot of African-American buddies oh. named Jerome. Oh. I've never met one Jewish Jerome. Oh. Here's the thing. When I've asked you about this, I've said, Jerome, where did you... I've never met anyone, a, another Jewish guy with the name Jerome. I said, where did you get it? And you said, my great-grandfather. And I said... And I said, Mo? Because that's, that's the only one I know, Mo. And you said, no. No. Not Mo. No. Because I could see Mo. There's an M and O and an E, which there's an M and O and an E in Jerome, but it, it was not him. It was who? The other one. Sam? Well, I don't know. I You <laughs> you said it was your other great-grandfather. I said, who's that? Jerome? And you said, no, his name My was Yechiel. Yechiel? Yechiel. Oh. Oh. That was on the other side of the family. Well, is that where you got Jerome from? No. What? How come I'm just learning this right now? Yeah. You I waited until I hit record on a podcast to tell me? I don't know what that- you're talking about. <laughs> My grandfather was Sam Davis. How do you like that? Sam Davis. Yeah. Everybody just just take a moment here. I'm I'm learning more about my history and my roots. So Jerome, where did Jerome come from? I just like Jerome. That's it? So did your mother. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well Jerome Kern was a famous songwriter. See, this is awful. Big band era. This is awful. This is I It's a great name. My middle Matthew name. Matthew Jerome Davis. We thought you were going to be a lawyer or something, or a doctor. <laughs> it's the trifecta. <laughs> oh, well, it's uh, it's awful, and I don't like it. And now that I ha- I know that it's not really named after anybody, and it has no real meaning, you just liked it. Hey. There's a lot of things you just like that hey, I don't like. Uh, Metatiahu, Yeremia. Ben Ruvain. Ben Ruvain. There's my Ben my Ruvain, Ben Zev. Oh, yeah. all right. Boy, we're getting off to a great start here. You know what I need? I need a little bit of Jewish humor. Oh, good. I got a good one today, and it's good. all about a guy named Moish. How many times Moish. do we have a joke? Every Jewish joke has Moish. Moish, yeah. Moshe? Moish. Like Jerome. Oh. <laughs> Should I do it as Jerome? No, I will not. Moish, he's a fishmonger, oh. and uh, he's in a market in the old country where, one, where there's, there's both Jews and non-Jews. They both shop there. Okay, So one day, there's a non-Jewish acquaintance of his and stops at the market stall, and they have a little friendly chat, and he says, Moish, I want to ask you a question. I hear some people in the village are saying that you Jews are smarter than anyone else. Now tell me, is that true? And if so, what's your secret? Well, Moish, he thinks about this for a minute, then he leans forward confidentially, and he says, look, uh, I, I wouldn't tell this to just anyone, but it is true, and there is a secret, but you must promise not to tell anyone else. Uh, it's a secret. Do you have a good Moish voice? Can you say that line? Moish? Is Moish? Yeah, you have like a good old, old Jewish man voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course, it's true, but it's a secret. 
<laughs> and so what does he say? He says, of course, of course. What's yeah. the secret? He says, well, you see these fish I'm selling? Most people just eat the body of the fish, but we Jews, we also eat the head of the fish, and this is what makes us smarter. Really? The non-Jew asks. He says, yeah, really. And since you're such a good friend, I'm willing to sell you the head of this fish here so you can try it for yourself. In fact, I'll sell it to you for just five rubles. Well, the non-Jew reaches for his money, and then he stops and he says, but wait. If I buy the whole fish with the head on it, that only costs three rubles. And Moish says, you see, you're smarter already. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. Yeah. Probably would have been better if it was Jerome. <laughs> All right. There it is, our humor for the day. And boy, look at you over there. You would not believe the apparatus that we need. You got a head microphone, and because he's constantly coughing, we finally got this cough button here, and he's pushing it. There's coughing there. You can't, boy, there's just so much. You're very high maintenance when it comes to podcasting. Hey. But always worth what it. What can I say? Always worth it. All right. Uh, today, we are asking the question Are the Jews still God's chosen people? We've been talking the last couple episodes. The Jews, God chose the Jewish people to be his chosen people. Yeah. We've talked about how he loves his people, that they are the little man in his eye. And now today we're saying, well, is it still the case? Or did God move on? Has yeah. God moved on? Is God done with the Jewish people being his chosen people? Or are they still his chosen people? Yeah. Well, I would have to say unequivocally that uh, he has not moved on and they are his chosen people. Uh, it's an eternal relationship. It's an everlasting covenant. I everlasting mean, you go all covenant. the way back to Genesis 17, right? And God proclaims, he says, yeah. I've made an everlasting covenant with Abraham's descendants. Yeah. And th this is really an exhaustive topic. Yeah. That, let's, uh, uh, let's just do the whole thing in the next 10 minutes. I think we can do it. The whole thing? Yeah. We could. There have been volumes written on this. <laughs> That's right. I know. <laughs> but dissertations, all kinds of stuff. So, where do we go with it? Yeah. Well, uh, so many places. I mean, all through the law and the prophets, uh, you know, God talks about uh, his love for Israel, the chosenness, the eternal relationship he has with Israel. Uh, but there's one particular place in Scripture, I guess, in, in a short period of time, if we were to shed some light on this, that we would look at the book of Romans. Yeah, now this is interesting. If you look at Romans, and really like a lot of this, um, when we're looking at Romans, uh, look at this idea of, is God done with his people? Um, this is a, an entire realm of study in theology uh, called supersessionism, um, or even today we call it replacement theology. And, and where we could go to stuff like you know, Isaiah 59, the Redeemer will come to Zion to Israel and to those who turn from transgressions in Jacob from this time and forevermore, right? We have stuff in Chronicles, we have stuff in Genesis, we have stuff in the Psalms. Um, but Romans is really a good place for us to capture this. It's New Covenant, it's the second act. Um, but Romans is interesting. It's written for a very certain reason, right? Yeah, give, yeah. give us a little bit of the background of... Why is Paul writing to the people in Rome? Yeah, well, there, there is a good historical background to this, and it helps if we know that. Um, 
the Romans, there was a church in Rome, and they were meeting in little house churches, a number of them, and they were comprised of Jews and Gentiles who were worshiping the Lord, studying, praying for each other. Um, and what was taking place at the same time that this was happening was that there were tensions rising in Rome against Roman rule, and Jewish people uh, were trying to break out from under the yoke of Rome, and because of these tensions, the emperor at that time, who was Claudius, uh, expelled all of the Jews from Rome. Just got them out. Yeah, he, he didn't make a distinction between uh, believers and unbelievers. Uh, you know, if you were Jewish, you were Jewish, and you were out. So how, which, how long were they out for then? Well, they were out for a period of five years until Claudius died. Okay. And it's interesting because he sent the Jewish believers and unbelievers. It's a kind of a commentary on the fact that he didn't make a distinction that believers were still Jewish. Uh, so after five years, after Claudius dies, the next emperor uh, says, okay, you, you Jews can come back to Rome. Uh, by the way, that emperor was Nero, not a great uh, person or friend of the Jews either, but at any rate, he said they could come back. And uh, when they did come back, they saw that the neighborhood had changed a little after being gone for five years. And uh, there was now some friction taking place between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And uh, Paul then has to step in and address this issue. And out of that, we get this great letter to the Romans in which he lays out God's heart and God's plan for Israel, and that God is not through with Israel. Uh, in Romans 1.16, uh, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, or to the Gentile. And so uh, Paul is laying out this entire treatise uh, and, and for 11 chapters, he doesn't ask them to do anything. He's just laying out doctrine. He doesn't ask them to do anything until he gets to chapter 12. Uh, we might talk about that when we get there. But in, especially in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, we get a sense of uh, the theology and all that mixed with the culture and the history of Israel and his message to the church at large regarding God's heart for Israel. Now, can, can we just take a step back for a second? Um, why does this Why does this subject matter? Uh, why is this an issue? I, I, I have a, a sense or a feeling that there's Christians out there who are looking at, at this. They, they listen to us and they'll say, What's the big deal? Like, I, I know Jews. Jews don't even want to be part of, of anything with Jesus. And why, why is this an issue? And isn't God done with the Jewish people anyways? Yeah. Uh, th that is, th th there's truth in that, and it's a real problem. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Christians uh, look at this issue as if uh, the Jewish people had their chance. They blew it. And now God is really finished with them. Um, Had to find a new chosen people. Yeah. And so now the church is the new Israel. Right. And, and so uh, that, that's called replacement theology. Right. Or, so all of the promises, all the covenants, all, all of the blessings that were intended for Israel, God said, made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. 
sorry, Jews, it's not you guys anymore. It's going to the other team. Right. Now, now it goes to the church, although they did leave all the curses for the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can have all of that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Thanks um, very much. Yeah, it, so it, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, the, I think some of the latest uh, Pew research that came out uh, within the last couple of years, which still keeps it re, uh, recent, uh, was that 75% of the church is replacement theology, which when I read that, I was shocked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't living in that world. Um, and that, that's 75% of the church. That's not even of the population of the world. I mean, you, you blow that up. So those yeah. are Christians who believe that God is done with Israel. Yeah. That's not the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's almost as if we were talking about it before. It's, it's almost as if between the church and Israel, there has been something, I, I, I guess, we were talking about along the lines of a divorce. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because well, Paul is coming in and he is trying to address these situations, right? Like some of these things, he's talking about circumcision, right? Circumcision was a big deal in in that early church. What we we hear about it in Galatians, we hear about it in Romans. What do we do with it? Because there is this this infighting that's going on, and and one of the things that I, it makes me think about is. When a marriage starts to break down, um, you know the indicators are that you're not getting along. There's these fighting. There's this constant struggle and headbutting. Um, but as time goes, and as the marriage actually separates, and there's a divorce, you know there there is a toning down of tension and emotion. And years later, you kind of just forget what you were fighting about, and you've moved on. And it doesn't matter so much what they're doing. Um, you're doing your own thing now, and people have everyone's just moved on. You're in your own corner. You have a new life, and yeah. everybody whatever. has settled into their own world. Yes, and so we we don't need to bring that back together. That was that was an old story, and we're now living in a new story. And the idea is that we're we're, we're done with each other. And I think that that's where like Christians hear this today, and they think, well, we. Why is this even an issue? That that happened a long time ago. Um, this is not our current issue. That was an old life, and and we're kind of stepping in in this space, saying like, oh, this is actually not how it's supposed to be. Right. Uh, it, it's not how it's supposed to be. And you know, we we give this message to our Jewish people, um, and it's kind of a tough message uh, with them, but we also give this message to the church, which should be a little easier since they accept what the New Testament scriptures, New Covenant scriptures say, and uh, what we're trying to do is bring them back to an understanding. It's, it's almost like uh, a couple who are separating in that process, and uh, in this case, uh, between the church and Israel, they are separated, uh, but we're bringing one side into counseling uh, because if you can change that one side, um, you know you you can repair the marriage. Yeah, and 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 part of what happens when you do that is there there is a provocation. We're, I mean, that really is the role of the church is to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. It's to right. provoke them to return back to their first love, it's a return right. back to the covenant, to their relationship with God through their Jewish Messiah. Yeah, and, and the only way that 
you provoke somebody to jealousy is if they realize you have something that rightfully belongs to them. Yeah. And so, you know, I think this is what Paul is doing is he steps in uh, to address the problems that are at Rome. And particularly, we look at uh, Romans chapter 9, and right in the beginning, he says, I'm telling the truth in the Messiah. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay. That's, we, we got to take it from him. He, that, he feels deeply about this. Yeah. He's telling the truth that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from the Messiah for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelites. Uh, reminds me of practically the same thing that Moses said. Uh, take me. Yeah, take, take me. Uh, don't, don't you know, destroy the people when God at one point was saying, I've had it with them. And Moses said, no, just take me. Don't, you know. Don't, don't forsake them. But Paul says, who are my kinsmen according to the flesh, listen to this, who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. You notice that all of those that Paul is making reference to are in the present tense. It belongs to them. This is post-resurrection. This is after after Jesus has come mm-hmm. and died, and so we're we are now officially Act Two. We are New Testament. This is a New Testament belief for the church. Yeah, yeah. This would be in, in terms of the two act play that we're talking about. This would be the second act, um, and and you can see the continuity in terms of the Jewish history and how it relates to salvation history. Uh, It's like a bridge that they're connected. And, uh, you know, Paul ends it in verse 5 by saying, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Messiah according to the flesh who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. So, you know, it's, it's pretty definite in Paul's mind and what he's the point he's trying to drive across here to those in Rome that you know all of the covenants and all of the promises and everything pertaining to Israel are theirs and they still are theirs and he could wish himself accursed if it would do anything in terms of salvation for his kinsmen his brethren according to the flesh who are Jews who are Israelites And then he goes on in chapter 10, again, in the beginning. You know, you have to read through these three chapters, 9, 10, and 11. There's much more in there. But we're we're highlighting some things here. And in chapter 10, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so here it is again. Uh, this This is the heart of the apostle of Paul. and say like well is is he is God done he's what he's laying out here in in chapters 9 and 10 he's 
he's walking through a history of God's pursuit of and his love for, right? He, he's working through uh, Jacob and Esau, and he's talking about Sarah, and Abraham is part of this, and he's building all of this up. And really the climax of all of this we, we hit in chapter 11 here. Yeah, and, and in chapter 11, uh, Paul finally, he comes to this point, and I say, he says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? He says, may it never be, or in some translations, it says, God forbid, you know, you get the sense out of the emotional God forbid that, you know, no way, for he says, I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish to the core. I'm saved, it can be done. Right, you and know? he says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is referring back to that Abrahamic covenant and, you know, his, his moving with his people all throughout history and all throughout the scriptures and the historical books that are all documented in the writings. Uh, you know, that's why we have the Torah, and the, the law and the prophets and the writings um, that, you know, just outlines and enumerates all of this. Uh, so, you know... He says, I'll give you my tribal lineage. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. He says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? Now he's referring back to the prophet. And I think Paul had all of this memorized. I think he had the entire Old Testament memorized. Uh, and he's talking about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and now they're seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? Paul says, this is what God says to Elijah. He says, I have kept, myself, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, this is important, in the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to the election of grace or according to God's gracious choice, okay? And so Paul is saying that at this point, you know, in the book of Romans, he's finally getting the point, driving the point across to the Romans that just like in the days of Elijah, God has a remnant. And if he didn't have a remnant, you and I couldn't be here talking about this. That's right. Well, God will always have a remnant. And, and so he, he goes on to say in verse 11, he says, I say then, so did they stumble? Did they not stumble so as to fall, did they? And again, God forbid, may uh -huh. it never be. I, I think he's spitting when he's saying this, yeah. right? He's shouting it out. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Uh, why? To make them jealous. To make them jealous. But, but, but by their transgression, because they, they in, in a sense, they rejected salvation. By, by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles mm -hmm. to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Yeah. And he says, I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. That's what we're doing here today. Yeah. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, he, that's who he calls himself. That's where he's always going. I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. Yeah. 
I, I, I like that when Paul says, I magnify my ministry. Why would he add that in there? Because he knows the Gentiles so outnumber the Jews in terms of population that if he can mobilize this, this force, he has a great force that can witness to the Jewish people if they understand the continuity between Jewish history and salvation history. Yeah, and, and he's, he not only declares himself the apostle to the Gentiles, but he's saying, I'm doing this so that we can provoke my people. If their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life, life from the dead? From the dead. And again, yeah. God is creating this out of nothing, out of this barrenness, out of the, the tomb of the womb. You think that there's no chance, but once again, they come back up. Yeah. Now, then he uses this illustration of, of, a, of a branch, a wild olive tree. We have the branch and the roots and cutting off. And give us a picture of what some of this stuff means. Yeah. Well, the, he refers to this because Israel is pictured in the scripture as the olive tree. Yeah. And they are the natural tree, and the branches there are the natural branches. And if some of those branches, as he goes on to say, are broken off, and they're broken off because of unbelief, and the Gentiles, who are the wild olive, or the, the wild branches, are grafted in, he says, contrary to nature, he, he puts a warning out and says, you know, don't boast or don't be conceited about the fact that, you know, you have been grafted in because if God grafted in the wild olive branches contrary to nature, how much more can he graft back in the natural branches if they will believe? Right. One of the things that uh, David Hofbrand says in uh, the book, uh, The Jewish Jesus, and he has a chapter on the, the church hasn't replaced Israel, but he he puts this in terms of adoption, and I like that. If you have if you have a set of parents that have kids, those are their kids, um, but they also have a heart for adoption. When they adopt and they bring new children in, it's not to replace the children that they currently had, but right. when they are brought in, that they receive all of the blessings and all of the identity, what everything that is involved in being part of the family, not to the exclusion of the kids that they already had. Right, right. And Paul paints a great picture of that in Ephesians chapter 2. Right. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he says, he says to the Ephesians, he says, without the Messiah, you were without the Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That was true. Mm -hmm. And the wild olive branches, or wild branches, I should say, and strangers from the covenants of promise, you were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in the Messiah, Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. That's exactly what we're talking about in terms of adoption. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, uh, let's, let's wrap, and again, we could... We could go on for a long, long time about this, but let, let's finish out a little bit of what it has here in, uh, in Romans 11. Um, in verse 25, it says, For I don't want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved, just as it's written. Yeah. 
What is this partial hardening? Yeah, well, the partial hardening means that the entire nation is not hardened against the Messiah. Uh, again, if that were true, we couldn't believe. Uh, but here we are, and it's not only us, but there were, when I became a believer in 1975, some 47 years ago, uh, there were uh, a few of us who believed for a while. I thought I was the only one, <laughs> but you know, I f we found each other. And today, I mean, there are a lot of Jewish believers, and even in Israel, there are more Jewish believers in Israel today. I mean, it's astounding, uh, obviously, than when the state was first founded in 1948. But uh, the the hardening is partial. It's not total. And so, therefore, God is continuing his covenant and uh, his, his promises to his people. And he says, until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And that idea of the fullness of the Gentiles, we're living in an age where now uh, the offer of salvation has gone out in such a way that Gentiles are coming into the body of Messiah uh, in hundreds and thousands uh, many of them and when that last gentile comes in that is going to be the fullness of the gentiles and at that point all israel would be saved i'd have to say that this is at the end of the tribulation yeah. if you're gonna point people who are like this is my, my guess is that there's people who didn't even know this was a thing like uh, this is an issue like i didn't even know that this was a thing uh, what we're hoping is that if you've been part of that 75% is that we're moving the needle on that and that we make you aware. But do you have any, I'm putting you on the spot, is there a good resource um, to go to? Um, I'm going to say the first resource would be The Jewish Jesus um, by yeah. David Hofbrand. Yeah. Um, we'll be continuing to link that and talk about that, but he's a good resource. But who else talks about this kind of stuff and where, where might some resources be found? Oh, boy. Um you know, I, I think that uh, there are some really good resources and some of the things that Arnold Fruchtenbaum has written. Uh, I mean, he's got some real heavy books that, you know, if, you're, if you want that kind of thing, you can get into it, into Israelology and the footsteps of the Messiah. But he's also got some smaller books that uh, address that. Um, I remember one of the first ones that I read was uh, titled, Jesus Was a Jew. Mm -hmm. He hadn't written Israelology yet or Footsteps. And, uh, you know, you can go onto his website, which is ariel.org, and there is a lot of information there on a lot of these subjects that we're touching. Um, there's probably more out there that's just not off the top of my head I'm not thinking of. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll maybe brainstorm a list and throw some of that in the notes here. But... Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like we're we're stopping halfway, but I feel like we've also said enough to at least make make the issue known um, to maybe shine some light. And I and I hope what we're we're trying to do here is um, to provoke, just like we're trying to provoke uh, our Jewish people to jealousy. Um, my hope is that we are provoking the church towards action, uh, that we're provoking the church toward love. Um, for the Jewish people, and and really that we're being equipping um, 
all of you who are listening to be able to reach out to the Jewish people. Yeah, and, and Paul kind of concludes this in that way. Uh, I, I said earlier that uh, the first 11 chapters are all doctrine. Uh, he's not asking you to do anything, but when he gets to chapter 12, this is the first time now that he's asking you to do something. And in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, therefore, what's the therefore there? Well, it's there to point back to everything he said in the first 11 chapters. Uh, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What would that be? That would be everything he's pointed to in the previous 11 chapters. Yeah, that's good. All right. I think we should be done now. Okay. <laughs> there's there's too much. I I think I feel overwhelmed with all of the 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 bigness of of this entire topic is yeah. massive. Well, as I said in the beginning, it's exhaustive. It's exhaustive and exhausting. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Jewish Road podcast. This was episode 43. Uh, here's the summation. Are the Jews still God's chosen people? Yep. Yep, I think so. You know. uh, here's some homework for you. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, read it several times. Read it out loud. And then remember uh, that God is not done with his people. Every time you see one of those Old Testament passages that are quoted right here in Romans 9, 10, and 11, go back and read those passages in the Old Testament. And then start to ask the Lord, uh, Lord, how can I show love uh, to the Jewish people and uh, be part of that 25% and start to grow that. That's right. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, for more on this and everything else, go to our website. Uh, we'll have some show notes up there as well. Uh, that's at thejewishroad.com. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, some new and fun things coming uh, down the pipeline, and so we're really excited. By the way, uh, the fall feasts are coming. They're on their way. Uh, if you want to know more and be prepared, uh, we have Rosh Hashanah, we have Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Um, all season one, we, we spent a whole bunch of time going through that. We'll have a just a more of a summation. We're not going to do a deep dive into all of those this time around, um, but we want to let you know that those are coming up. So if you want to prepare or at least know, uh, the season that we are in, um, that is all coming down the pipeline as well. So, uh, and once again, we are a nonprofit 501c3, and so this is a ministry. And uh, as we survive or thrive based on the gifts that come in, uh, it allows us to be able to do more. And so we're excited. This is what we love to do. And uh, we're excited to hear from people all over the world. And it's a, it's a fun thing. So, thanks for listening. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. <laughs> Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom.